The Perth Football Podcast is proudly brought to you by Macron Store Perth, an industry leader in quality teamwear specialising in grassroots, semi-pro and professional team attire. Visit the Macron Sports Hub Perth Facebook page for more. Thank you to Macron for helping us keep the pod running and for their continuous involvement in community sport. The Cockerels crow the loudest as Coburn claim the cup after a colossal cock-up in injury time, while Perth is red as red star reigns supreme, recovering from an almighty scare to remain impeccable and get retribution from last year's top four prelim. In the 20s Cup final, there's a hat-trick on the menu with Sam Cook Sorrento to bring the Cup on home. There's more Euro 2022 chat, and we find out if Sean Fry is a man of his words. All that and more on this episode of the Perth Football Podcast. Don't know much about history, don't know much about biology, but everybody, welcome to another edition of the Perth Football Podcast. Do not adjust your sets. It is I, producer Kalichi, filling in for host Sean, who is away, currently en route to Canada via LA, and he's trying on hats. In a tightly packed studio with me this evening is not referee extraordinary Axel Vatsis, he'll be here later, but next to me, Tommy Dolman. Tommy, Mr. Football, how are you, mate? Good, thanks, Kalichi. Thanks for having me again. No, mate, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. And we've got roses between the two thorns. Ladies and gentlemen, our special guest, we've got Carla Bennett. Carla? Hello. <laughs> Hello. And we've also got Tess DeLeo. Tess, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm superb. Well, look, we've had an interesting weekend of football, but we'll go straight up with our first questions. In the Subi game, we had three guest players just absolutely turn up from nowhere. Have you ever been at a spot, having a good time, doing your own thing, and all of a sudden, someone randomly turns up and you're like, oh, goodness gracious me. Has it ever happened to you, Tommy? Um, the best I've probably got is when I was just sat, in, have, sat having brunch and having a coffee and I saw Daniel Ricciardo walk in. He's obviously a Perth boy and that's something where you sort of just have to turn and then you turn again and then you might turn again and then it starts getting awkward a while and everyone's like, yeah, chill. But that's how it goes sometimes. Carla? Um, I haven't had any celebrity encounters like that, but yeah, um, it's definitely a big shock, the people that you're referring to. <laughs> and you, Tessa? Yeah. Um, actually, with that game, like when um, Tony told me that they were going to be playing, I was pretty amazed uh, to have that like level of calibre in our, in our league is pretty cool. You don't have to play them anytime soon, do you? I hope not, no. Uh, I think in a couple of weeks we do. Yeah, our last game against um, against them in the league. So, yeah, it'll be a few weeks' time that we come up against them. Yeah, well, years ago, I'll tell you my story really quickly. Years ago, I was at a uh, nightclub called Lost Society. I'm not sure if it's around anymore. You remember Lost Society? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. So me and my homie were sitting there. We were talking to these girls and it was going great. And all of a sudden, this guy just walks past and all the girls move with this person. And I'm new to Perth at the time. I've got no idea who this person is. Turns out he was um, some guy who won this thing called the Brownlow Medal. I think his name was like Nat Fife. Oh, that guy, yeah. 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 And uh, all of a sudden I was like, oh, this is completely different. I actually saw him on Saturday night at the Manchester United game. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he was there. We, um, I was working, so we were down by where the bus was, where all the players were getting on, and he was just chilling there. Obviously, he's a football fan. Yeah. Trying to get some uh, autographs, potentially. Mm, yeah. Well, speaking of football, there was a football match on Saturday and Sunday, but the big game was obviously on Sunday. Tommy, what did you think of the uh, the match in question? I thought it was a really good game. Um, I think, as it can be in cup finals sometimes, it can be a little bit nervy, a little bit sort of scrappy at the start. Both teams sort of try to find their patterns early in the game, maybe settle a few nerves as well. And I thought 
Perth really pressed Perth Red Star pretty well early on, probably more than they have done against previous teams that season, this season. And it kind of disrupted Red Star's midfield um, with Carla and Sean and, and Jay Coleman, who have been really dominant throughout this season so far. But um, once they got through that initial period and they took the lead, um, they were then able to sort of settle into the game a little bit more. And I thought as a result after that, Red Star probably had the better chances, even though Perth um, made some changes and continued to look dangerous. Um, but yeah, as it turned out, Red Star just keep on being rampant this season. 14 from 14 in the league, a cup win, a night series win. They might even win the league on Wednesday night as well, but we'll come to that shortly. Well, we're lucky to have two of the players obviously in the studio with us. So tell us, what was it like for, for each of you in, in the game as it was happening? It's obviously an intense situation. It's an, well, you don't have a lot of time in that, in that, in that high pressure place. So what was it like playing in that cup final? Um, well, we were speaking sort of before the game and we were all kind of on the same page in that we hadn't been that nervous for an NPL game in a very long time. And I think it's just because the amount of pressure we put on ourselves being undefeated, um, then coming into that game. Well, you said you said the U word. Oh, damn. Yeah, well, look, that's the truth of the matter. But, um, yeah, in the, in the game, obviously, in any game, it's gonna, we're going to have a target on our back just because of how the season's gone so far. But we knew it was just going to be heightened being a cup final. So we were all... I think we were all really nervous, but we were, we were up for it. And we um, we definitely knew that we didn't want to lose that game. And we also knew that we didn't want to go to any extra time or penalties. We just w- didn't want that added stress. Um, we we're already nervy. Um, but yeah. Have you noticed that a little bit more in the last few weeks? Because obviously you only defeated Subiaco 1-0. You've had a couple of tighter games. I think it was 2-0 against Mum FC where you got the two goals in the last 17 minutes or so. But have you noticed that as this season's gone on, that teams are stepping it up against you? And what does that sort of say about the mental resolve that the team have had to show to sort of get through that? Um, I'm just going to go off the back of what Carla was saying earlier, but I think it is um, our expectation on ourselves. So we do know that teams are after us and and every team wants to be the first one to beat us because we are in such a favourable position at the moment on the, on the ladder and having a really great season. So... Um, Yeah, I do really think it it comes down to the girls pushing each other as well as pushing ourselves. And um, Carlos is very quick to remind us that we do have this target on our back and um, we need to keep working really hard to get the results that he knows we can achieve and and we think we deserve. So, yeah. Yeah, you jumped in and you were playing centre-back and had to fill in for Australian International. So what what was that like? Oh, I mean, against my old team coming in, um, definitely was a really great opportunity. I mean, to play with the likes of Carla and Sean, um, Kim when she's there, Sarah, M Dunn is amazing. Um, like girls that I've aspired to be like. So although it was quite nerve wracking and, um, you know, pretty big occasion to have to step in and for who I had to step in for, but, um, no, I, I enjoyed it a lot and, um, I was just really proud of the girls that we managed to get away with the win. You mentioned it was your old club and obviously your, your brother was there and we had a chat with him before kickoff asking him, look, obviously you are the, the Perth club captain. Who do you want to see win the game? And can you guess what he said? Oh. He said Red Star for sure. And I was like, what, what, what do you mean? You're the, you're the club captain. And obviously, Tommy, you, you mentioned that he said that he bleeds he bleeds Azuri blue. Yeah, he, I said to him, uh, who are you supporting today? You must be conflicted. And he said, well, blood's thicker than water, isn't it? I said, well, if there's anybody who bleeds Azuri blue, it's you, surely. So... <laughs> I was sort of trying to find make to make sense of that, but no, I know he was very proud, and obviously the the family were there. 
Um, I just wanted to ask Tessa as well. Obviously, Andy Texture won the Sandra Bretnell medal for being the player of the game. She's a player who she's just cold-blooded. She's just so calm on the ball. She's got experience and sort of know-how beyond her years, in my opinion. Um, Carla can maybe jump in as well, but tell us a little bit about what it's like playing next to her and just to Carla as well, her progression this year and the last two years, I suppose. Um, yeah, no, Andy's great. She, um, like you said, super, super composed on the ball. Um, we, we were actually having a chat before the game and we are going over a few things, making sure we were on the same side of like, you know, tactics wise. Um, and then I just realised I was talking and I looked at her and I was like, you know what to do. Like, let's just go out there, let's play. Um, and that's, the fact that she got um, player of the match is testament to the fact that she does really know what to do. She's a really great player. So, yeah. Yeah. I think um, she's been at Redbacks for a couple of years now. Um, and I think this season, especially, she's really stepped up. Um, I never, I never worry when we have her back there. I just know that she's going to come in, clean it up, do what she does. Um, and yeah, she's got that ability to also drive through from the back. So um, Kim often will sit back and same as Tessa, but Andy's got that real drive to go forward, go straight down the guts, and it's pretty dangerous. And a lot does get made about the 200 club yourself and Larry and Emily and Sean Billum as well, I think, is in there now as well, or she might be coming up to it. But you've got that really nice blend of youth as well. We've mentioned Andy already, but Ruby Cohen's sort of played some minutes as well this season. So that's something that does get overlooked. Olivia Wood as well has had a really real breakout year as well. So that's something that does get overlooked is that balance between youth and experience that you've got as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is, it's kind of half and half. We've got us veterans that have been around for a while, um, like the 200 club, and then you've got the the young guns coming through. Um, and yeah, we just kind of want to foster a good environment for them all. So it's really, really positive seeing those players coming through. And a lot of them have come through from the Redbacks junior setup. So it's, it's really positive. Yeah. What, what's it mean to you being the club record holder? I mean, we understand the history that Redback have, Redbacks had in terms of just the way that they developed and cared for women's football. And then to make that transition across, has that been difficult at all to not be wearing that uniform? Um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was a little bit sad to see it go, um, but I feel like because it's still the same core group, nothing really changed aside from the name and the uniforms and the fact that we now have a men's team attached to us. Um, I love it that you now have a men's team yeah, attached to you. Yeah. We, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, everything kind of remained the same, like our core values, obviously the coaching staff's the same. A lot of the players are the same. So um, it was sad in a sense, but I still look at it in that we're all still accumulating our games under Redbacks um, because Redbacks wasn't always Redbacks. It came from Sterling Reds, I think it was. Um, so it's, it's progressed over the years. So yeah. I think another thing that gets overlooked as well is the fact that you guys have been doing this for two years as well. Obviously, you didn't get the rewards that you probably deserved from your performances last season because Murdoch University Melville were equally as good as you guys or maybe just a little bit better when the games mattered most. I did speak to Carlos during the week um, for my interview that I, I did for Football West and, and he's sort of – one of his words was that I hope that the girls get the rewards – for the performances that they've put in over the past two years. And I did see that he was a little bit emotional at the final whistle as well. It obviously meant a lot to him to see you guys win. So can you tell us about Carlos, the man, the coach, and what he's brought over the past two years? Oh, um, well, I'm obviously new to the team, but Carlos as a coach is is like I've never had before. Um, he's just 
very, very involved. Um, his wife, Michelle, who's our manager, always says that he can't sleep when he gets home, no matter how late it is, until he watches the game again. <laughs> like he needs to rewatch it as soon as he gets there. Um, and I think that's just that that proves in a nutshell how how dedicated he is to us girls and um, to our goal, which is you know to get all three all three this year. Yeah, he's got he's got a really hard task on his hands as well because we have so much depth in our team, and he's trying to manage all those players and not keep everyone happy. But he is trying to make sure that um, players get game time um, and sort of spread the spread the love. But um, yeah, you're never going to make everyone happy, so it's a difficult task for him. Um, but it's a testament that everyone's kind of stuck around and hung in there. And we can't not have you sort of on without speaking about Larry, who's just scoring goals for fun once again this season. She obviously tied with Tia last season, the Golden Boot race. She's miles in front this year. I think she's got 22 in all comps. Tell me about her attitude and her sort of will and desire to just keep improving and to back up what she did last season and even surpass that. Yeah, I think um, maybe not a lot of people know this about Larry, but um, she does so much stuff outside of our training. She's constantly working on her individual skills. So it's a testament to her. She's gotten where she is now because of the work that she's put in. Um, and she's another one that's been at, at Redbacks um, and now Red Star for a very long time. And I've seen her progress over the years. She started as a fullback um, and she's pushed her way up the field. And I think this year something's just clicked. Um, and yeah, she's kind of reaching her full potential and I feel like there is still so much that she could be doing. Um, she's, yeah, she's continuing to improve. So it's, it's good to watch. I am going to ask, um, you did, we did mention the, the U word before, but it's been really cool speaking to your players about it because it feels like everyone's embracing it. No one's kind of hiding away from the fact that it's not something that you're like, eh, if we get it, we get it. It feels like you're all going, no, actually, we, we really want this. And and when you think about the fact that it isn't just this run of form for this year, if you look at it from last year, it's an incredible pace that you've been setting. So what what's that like, like embracing that challenge? Oh, well, I think it really comes down to uh, us constantly wanting to improve and get better. Um, I was saying earlier that because of the depth in our squad, um, we are constantly pushed to, you know, achieve better, be better, because we know that if we don't, there is someone waiting to to come into the team, fill our spot a bit. Um, and uh, Carlos always says to us that um, we will win like games from the bench, we'll win titles from the bench. And by that, he means that if you aren't giving 100%, if you aren't performing and, you know, it, whether it be out of your control or not, um, there will be a, someone in there ready to take over. We also heard, um, I had an, a, an alternative take the other day saying that we can see how competitive this league is this year in terms of the points that everyone else has been taking off each other mm-hmm. and that you've kind of kept that standard for yourselves in, in terms of just being that that mentally tough. So what what's this league like? Like we, again, we, we talk about how the game just needs to develop and how we need to put more infrastructure into the game. So what would you like to see put into the league? But also what are, what are the cool things about the league? Because I'm sure there's so many up and coming young players who are getting the games right now and, and we want to just shed light to that positive side of it as well. Um, yeah, obviously I feel like this year we saw sort of like a mass exodus of players going over east, which... Is great for them. Obviously, they want to um, explore their avenues and um, get in where they need to get in. But um, 
it it sucks for us because we've lost a lot of depth in the league and I feel like that shows with um, the way the league stands at the moment. Um, generally speaking, over the years, as the I've been playing this league for I think maybe fifteen years now, but that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel old. Um, but over the years, there's always sort of been two top teams that have battled it out, and then the rest have been kind of close together. Um, but this is the first year where I feel like there's been one team that's completely run away with it, um, and I'm not sure why. I think we. I'd put it down to the fact that we've been together for so long now. We have all those players that just know how to play with each other. Um, so right from the get-go, we kind of just clicked. Um, but, yeah, in terms of, like, the cool things that the league has to offer, obviously the professional setups are becoming more and more common. Um, we've seen, you know, that with the merger to make Red Star, that means that there's um, infrastructure in place, there's staff that we have never had before. We've never had access to a regular physio like we have this season so just little things like that that looking back from where it was 15 years ago it's just come on leaps and bounds but there's obviously still so much to go. I think um, also just to add on to that um, giving girls opportunities as well so we had uh, a a lot of people leave that would have been 100% starting 11 plays and it's it's given girls opportunity to step up and you're only going to get better if you're versing if you're, well, if you're playing against girls that are better, mm. um, you're exposed to the high-pressure situations. Um, and I just think that even in our team, the young girls coming through, they, they're getting like a wealth of not only knowledge playing with some of the senior girls, but also being in specific situations that, you know, they, they're going to help you grow, they're going to help you be better players. And, and because of that, our league is, is going to get better. Just on yourself as well, Tessie, you obviously came into this team uh, in the off-season. You had some injury issues at the beginning of the season, you told me, and it took you a little while to get up to speed with things. How difficult was that for you to sort of almost take get your place in the team? Because obviously you're going into a very good team. You've got to work really hard to earn that. It's not going to be just handed to you on the plate as an off-season recruit. So can you tell us about your journey this season and how you've sort of got to this point where you've started in the cup final at the weekend? And of course, you came from an injury as well, which is always tough to like... Yeah. get in shape yeah um I think probably the biggest thing that I had to come to terms with was the fact that it was right there and I I did have a, a spot in the team and then right before pre-season started I obviously did my ankle um but the probably the biggest thing that drove me to 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 want to come back and get better and get fit and you know make sure I was on the right track was just the the culture as well as um Carlos in in general he's he's a really really good support um he only ever wants the best for us or he he knows us all really like individually um but yeah the success that our team was having I mean sitting sitting out not even being on the bench for night series was oh torture (laughs) like I all I wanted to do was be out there with them um but yeah I think I think it's it's always hard to to come back from injury and I, it might have been amplified with the fact that I was also trying to break into a new squad. Um, but, yeah, I found a way to make it happen, I suppose. So what motivates you now for the rest of the season, Carla? Is it an element of making up for lost time after last season? The performances were so good, you didn't get the rewards, so you really want to capitalise on that now and win as many trophies as possible? Or is there that sort of history element to it as well? Where is this the is impeccables? You've won your first piece of silverware. There's potentially an unbeaten run at stake. There's the league. There's the top four. 
there's so much to play for as well. And it's obviously Red Star's first league title as well. If you do go on to win, well, you probably will do. But are they the sorts of things that you have to sort of get up for every week now? Yeah. Um, like last year obviously stung a lot. I think that was the first season that I've ever played in the club where we haven't won a single thing. Um, and, yeah, it was hard to stomach. Um, and That's just greedy. I know. Yeah, I know. Um but yeah, it just it just kind of made us even hungrier. But Carlos, um, he had it in the pipeline. He said, you know, he didn't really expect anything big, him coming in to the team last year. He was just sort of um, gauging where we're at, but he wanted us to one-up everything. So last year, we make it to a semi of a final. This year, we make it to a final. Um, last year, we may have lost in a in um, a quarterfinal next year we make it to a semi-final so he just sort of wanted us to one up that and and we did it as well obviously um so yeah and then obviously the fact that we haven't lost a game yet um it just pushes us to keep going because we know that teams just want to beat us now um teams that don't have a chance to uh, make top four or anything like that their their aim now is just to knock us down um, yeah. All right. We got, uh, we don't want to hold you up for too much longer. We've got two last questions. They are the most important questions that we ask on the Perth football podcast, hunger games, twilight or Harry Potter. Oh, Harry Potter all the way. Oh, hunger games. Thank I haven't you. watched, haven't watched Harry Potter. Oh. You haven't watched Harry Potter. Or twilight. I am. I'm, I'm the exact same <laughs> camp as you. I can understand like the, the Harry Potter thing being like a huge generational thing for us. Yeah. But like. I just I didn't get it. Yeah, I've tried a few times and gotten like 15 minutes in and been like, no, nah, I'm going to do something else. I know someone who read like the Philosopher's Stone in like 15 minutes. Yeah, just... that, that was me as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I literally, I went to Coles just before and I, I went up to the cashier and I showed her my receipt to get the little Harry Potter collectibles. <laughs> I love Harry Potter. I okay. still get the collectibles. I just am greedy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And the next question is, uh, toughest competitor? As individuals or as a team? Uh, as individuals, who do you come up against and you're like, oh. um, Yeah, central midfield-wise, pretty much anyone from Perth, I would say. So um, Zoe Spadano, Abby Meekins, Jamie Gibbons. Um, what about what about historically as well? Historically? Um, yeah, that's tough. I would probably say someone like Sadie Lawrence. Um, I played alongside alongside Sadie uh, growing up and then having her as a competitor. She's just, her ball skills are insane. Um, and yeah, she can turn you inside out. Uh, mine is definitely Renee Leota. Yeah, she is insane. And I I always dreaded playing, playing against Redbacks in the day just because I knew that she was either going to turn me and score or I was going to try tackle her and she was going to get a pen somehow. <laughs> like... Always happened. Um, yeah, no, nah, but she's amazing. I just wanted to make one more comment as well. Um, since we were last on, Zoe Spadato is obviously going to yeah. Italy to play futsal next year. And you obviously played with her last season at Perth, Tessa. And we know that she's one of the best futsal players in the state for sure. She's got unbelievable close control and just an ability to sort of carry the ball. What is it about her having sort of played with her and against her that makes her so good? And do you think she's capable of improving and pushing herself even further? Yeah, um, Zoe is an amazing player. Uh, 
she she is one of those real quiet achievers. Like she'll just go about her business and she'll get the job done. Um, and it's really great that now she's getting recognised for it. I mean, futsal, she's amazing at futsal, always dreaded playing South Perth yeah. and yeah. I was playing futsal. Um, but even on the weekend, I was like, I cannot piss her off because if I do, <laughs> if I do, she's just going to go even another level up. Like, <laughs> So she's one of those people you've got to just talk nicely to. Yeah. yeah. No matter how angry she get, got, I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to buy in. Who's the angriest player in the league? Oh. Kat Jukic. Kat yeah, <laughs> I'd say cat. <laughs> we had a we had a tip for like most red cards, but obviously she's doing FIFO. So I've been yeah. on the back of a lot of cat's anger. Although, over in, yeah, over the I think now cat she's mellowed out. She's mellowed out for sure. <laughs> but I remember when she played for East Frio back in the day, and yeah, wow. Well, actually, I don't know because Lisa Devan is now in our league, yeah, so that's true. she might take the cake on that one. <laughs> I love this. We're just spilling all the tea and giving all the secrets. But look, thank you both so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Hopefully you've had as much fun as we've had. Um, can we all just say that Sean needs to – I'm not sure if you know this, but Sean Fry, out the guy who wears the suit and commentates the games, um, he he promised that um, if you didn't have the league won by Wednesday, he would eat a hat. Now, obviously, your fixture was postponed. Mm-hmm. So Wednesday morning came along and you hadn't won the league yet. So he has to eat a hat. Do you have any suggestions on what types of sauces would possibly go ahead with like a bucket hat or something like Garlic that? Garlic aioli. Mm. Are we talking uh, like fedora or like a... Like a, like a... like a gallon hat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd go a good aioli or like yeah. a smoky chipotle. Maybe, mm. yeah. maybe a mix. I don't know. Mm. Try it out, Sean. Look, that'll be it for part one. Thank you all so much. We'll be back with part two where we talk about the other controversy from the weekend. It's the time of the podcast where we do the plug for our sponsor, Macron. But unfortunately, Sean's not here, so I've got to do it all by myself. But thankfully, I've had plenty of practice and also plenty of ridicule as well. But I'm sure I can do it all by myself. So we would like to take this moment to thank the good people at Macron for their continuous support, not just for the podcast, but also in the work that they do on the grassroots level as well. They enable us to keep the lights on, to hire out the booths, and to, of course, make sure that we keep providing you all with some content for free 99. Thank you, Macron Store and the Macron Store Perth for the work that you do for us and the local communities. If you need yourselves some kit, if you need yourself some equipment, feel free to reach out to them on the Facebook and Instagram pages, Macron Store Perth. I went to the office earlier today in Osborne Park and had a chat with a not so happy coach, shall we say, um, but managed to get some really nice kit. We got ourselves out. We finally got to pick up our hero jerseys for uh, the mighty, or not so mighty this season, but the mighty North Perth United, and they look schmick. So check out Macron Store Perth. Remember, they're not just for the elite clubs in terms of the rugby and the MPL um, and the glory as well, but also, again, for clubs right the way from the top end all the way through to juniors and the amateurs. So check out the Macron Store Perth. And maybe even say that the Perth Football Podcast sent you and uh, see what happens. I'm sure it won't be a slap in the face. We'll be back with part two. Yeah, Josh, shut up. And we're back with part two. And a uh, good thing it's my first day uh, in the hosting chair because I forgot to talk about the Subiaco Balcata game. We're joined with referee extraordinaire Alex Avatsis. Hello, gents. And the greatest man, Josh Chiat. I don't know how long that can keep up with, with all this talent in the studio. For as long as a Friday's eco gig, uh, gag can go on, mate. <laughs> how is was that? Your... Wait, wait, wait. Have, have, have we, has 
that been said? Because I wasn't here before. Has that been said yet? No. I can't believe you brought that up yourself. Uh, just, I'm just embracing it. And we still have Tommy. Tommy, how are you? Good, thanks. Terrific. So, yeah, Subiaco Balcata. Who were the uh, interesting individuals who just turned up randomly out of nowhere? Not completely randomly. Mariana Tabane's been there for a few weeks. Uh, Ella Mastrantonio's second game at the weekend. And there was a debut for Lisa Devanna as well. So, Subiaco got a 4-3 win against Balcata. Um, two penalties from Mariana Tabane in the last seven minutes, I believe it was, which gave them the win, their third of the season. And... Yeah, I think it might be a little bit too late for them to make a run for the top four, unfortunately. They might just run out of games. Bit of a damaging loss for Balcata, though. That was a game they'd probably look at on paper and maybe think, well, albeit the new signings obviously make a bit of a difference, but they suddenly are still out of the top four with Perth and NTC still in those spots. So they've got some work to do still as the season rolls on for sure. But it looks like Subiaco might still have a chance to get in there. What they're... Is it 11 points behind, 9 points behind with a game in hand? 10 with a game in hand, I think. But that's still, yeah, that's still difficult with only five games left after the weekend. I, I can't see the screen, so I was trying to do some some uh, psych, uh, psychic fact-checking there. But but, but we'll go with what, what Tommy said. Um, it's, it's obviously a pretty big shake-up. I'm sure they would have love to have had all those players earlier in the season. Um, obviously, uh, Ella Antonio recently announced signing for the Perth Glory um, A-League women's team. So uh, she's clearly getting some minutes in uh, ahead of her return to professional football in Australia. Um, but yeah, a really interesting turn of events there. Balcata would be really disappointed, especially being 3-2 up so late in the game through a, a really well-taken uh, Monique Prinsloo goal and then to concede oh, she struck that ball so well yeah and then to then to concede two late penalties um would be be tough one for Balcada to take especially when it was such a, a big one for their chances of making the top four I think the the exciting part for me within the women's game now I think that makes three Matildas playing in the MPLWA women's you got or for, even former uh, Matildas with with Lisa Ella and and Carol at uh, Perth Red Star as well. It's, it's exciting, and you, you don't see it in the men's where current or even former soccer is playing down. Hopefully, for Armadale's sake, potentially there'll be a Trent Sainsbury appearance, but um, currently that there hasn't that hasn't happened. So it's exciting for the women's game to have, you know, you know Matildas and or current Matildas and, and formers as well. That that is an interesting one actually that you mentioned. Uh, obviously, we were talking about the women's game before that, but you mentioned Sainsbury as a, a potential one because he has spoken about his desire to finish his career at Armadale previously when he's been interviewed. So it is good to see that we've got players at, at the top level coming down and playing their trade in the local league. That gives me a really good segue. One of the questions that we asked earlier, well, the question for today is, have you ever been someplace and then some randoms have turned up who were just far better than you or you didn't expect them to be there? It could have been a celebrity, it could have been anyone. And you're going, oh, I did not expect that. Who's going to go first? Josh? Uh, oh, God. I I was um I was in the I was in Melbourne watching footy with my dad when I was in high school. We were going to a, a I'm a Bulldogs fan as as the great the other great man Tommy Dolman is as well. If you're a great man, you're a Bulldogs fan. Is this that story of the guy who's going to walk in here and punch me in the face? I'll have no idea who he is. Uh, three hundred plus gamer Chris Grant. You mean? Uh, woof 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 woof. Yeah no. Um, so uh, yeah, we're, we're sort of walking along and then we walk past this shop and there's a bloke uh, playing the drums and there's like a bit of a crowd forming um anyway it turns out that it's like 
Cram from Spiderbait playing like a just a random show in a, a sneaker shop. Does anyone know who Cram from Spiderbait is? Absolutely not. <laughs> Wait, you guys don't know who Spiderbait are? The name rings a bell. Spiderbait, I thought that was a pest Black, control Black, company. Black Betty, dig me a pony. You don't know Black Betty? So I... Uh, Nova, who was your <laughs> the change over there? And handball that one. Um, I think I was lucky enough, and I it was a surprise. I knew him prior to that, but um, playing at Floriot first team back in the nineties, um, Lazar Stan Lazaridis turned up just to come train to to keep fit prior to him going away. But um, yeah, that was a bit of a surprise to to see the great man Stan Lazaridis turn up to training and, and basically said, Alex, you can now go train with the Rezies. We don't need you now. <laughs> But, um, yeah, no, that was probably a big one for me. Um, Tommy, you look like you're about to explode, mate. I've already answered this question in part one, but it was Alex's pest control joke, which just uh, made me lose my composure temporarily. But anyway, continue, Kalichi. No, that's fine. Just so you guys could hear, mine was when uh, Nat Fife turned up to a nightclub and all of a sudden all the girls who were talking to us just stopped talking to us. Did they think Avatar was there? Oh, uh, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure. I've this was like, the year he won the Brownlow. Yeah. Oh, right. I'm sure I've like Nick Natanui in a nightclub on his multiple um, ACL uh, rehabs. He he was he was all over the he was all over the pubs in in Mount Lawley when he was um, when he was resting up that knee. Speaking of knees and uh, three penalties being awarded in a game, <laughs> there was a state cup final for us. That was probably a terrible transition, but we can edit that out later. There was a state cup final uh, to to happen and. Boy, was it a cracker. Did you guys see the game? We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the game first. Obviously, there's other things that we can talk about. Um, but, yeah, let's focus on the match first. Tommy, you, you were given the call. Nova, you were there as well, in the, in the not in the, in the not-so-cheap seats all the way up there. Um, so tell us, what, what did you guys see? It was a really exciting game, first and foremost. It's, I said in my introduction that there was no heavyweights there in the playground to sort of pick a fight before the game. And that was kind of how the game panned out because you had two teams who aren't normally necessarily on that stage who were there and they were just giving it everything. It was end-to-end. It was direct. The challenges were thick and fast. There was momentum swings. The game had a bit of everything in it. And I thought Coburn started pretty well. They got their football into stride pretty well. They're clearly playing off that confidence of those big results they've had over the likes of Floriot and Sterling and Red Star in the league and obviously Sorrento in the cup as well. Armadale maybe still just blowing off the cobwebs after the round of 32 game on the Thursday night. Um, they obviously went 2-0 up in the game. Harry O'Brien, who won the Stan Lazaridis medal, really good performance throughout. He got the second goal. Um, after Daniel Robinson's first half penalty. And then Armadale found a second wind, and I thought Charlie Kenner was the impact sub. I mm. thought maybe if they'd have bought him on another five or ten minutes earlier, they may have even been able to steal it in regulation time. But he added some real zest and some real punch to that midfield, won the penalty, drove them forward, put them on the front foot. They got back to 2-2, and then the late drama ensued after that. But we'll get to that shortly. But the game itself um, was... Superb! It was just superb entertainment. Maybe not the highest technical quality game of football you'll ever watch, but you couldn't give it a miss for drama, could you, Nova? No, I agree. And, I'll, and I will say, prior to that, you know, having the two of you commentate the game was fantastic. Having now watched it three times since the game itself, um, the commentary was top-notch, top-shelf. So, yeah, well done to you boys. But I think in terms of the match itself, and, and, and I was speaking to a couple of people back at the office today, it was almost like a 90s Everton versus a Wimbledon match yeah. where it was two teams that 
aren't used to winning silverware all the time. I mean, yeah, shout out to Everton. Yeah, correct. Um, But it was one of those games where it was going to be goals because they were just going to go at it irrespective of who was playing. Whereas you get a top two side, top four side, they'll hold off and and work each other out. Well, these guys are going, we're not going to hold back. We're going to go. So, yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough, as you said, to to watch the game at a good view. Um, Harry O'Brien was incredible. Um, and as was Robinson, um, uh, and there was, you know, obviously, like you said, um, kind of coming on, who led to the penalty um, with, with one of his, his starting runs, which you don't see very often, which was incredible, but um, made a massive difference to the game when he did come on. And, and I was lucky enough to speak to the great man after the game, Tommy Dolman, um, in regards to the match. And, and we both said, you know, with, with, if he had come on a bit earlier, would have it made a difference? Possibly. Um, but John O'Reilly making those subs made a massive difference to get to two all, and lo and behold, a bit of uh, as you guys said, uh, interesting uh, turn of events. In you, the you did plus. you did bring up Daniel Robinson, and obviously he didn't get the plaudits uh, at the end of the game in terms of the the medal, which Harry O'Brien won the medal and the uh, and the ball. Daniel Robinson just is such a nuisance in and around the box. He just loves being active in and around the box. He wins the ball off a defender. Um, mm, when he has before. no right to on that first goal on the penalty. Um, and it just sets the tone for Coban. You feel like if they didn't have a player like that who ha- brought that energy up front, you feel like perhaps their season would be going, you know, a very different direction right now. I, I think he hasn't maybe scored the number of goals that he has in previous campaigns, but you've got to give him credit for how much of a presence he is up top, even though he's a smaller player. The energy he has, his commitment to win the ball, his desire to be in and around the box is a real asset. I think there was a little bit of a romantic element to it as well with Coburn because a lot of the players that were in the in the team, we've spoken about O'Brien, Josh rightly brought up Robinson, um, Ryan Barker as well, who, who played in goal on the day as well, and David Araya as well, who started in midfield. These are all guys, Jesse's obviously missed the game at the weekend, but these are all guys that have been with the club for a long time and have had their own adversities with injuries and time out of the game over periods. I know Harry's only sort of just got his body right. He's getting back to his best this year. Um, David Araya has missed a quite a long time out of injury. He started in 2016 when they got to the last cup final. And, and Ryan Barker, I spoke to Mirko Jelicic after the game and they actually had their, fir- their two first choice keepers out in, in Michael Craggs and Ben Radinich who, mm-hmm. who have played earlier in the season. And Ryan Barker is essentially their goalkeeping coach and he played his part as well because when Armandale did rally, particularly in that second half and even in the first half when they did have their opportunities on the break, he made some really important saves. So... There was a really nice feel about it from a Coburn perspective as well in that some of the players who have been with that club and who have stayed loyal and have been there for a very long time, um, they got their rewards as well. The game had a, some interesting storylines. Obviously, um, Armadale coming off that midweek, can I say pasting, um, to Mulberry Jets. And of course, Coburn having their FFA Cup fixture, sorry, Australia Cup fixture happening this midweek. We were thinking before the game, who's going to want that fix a whole lot more the team that's just been hammered but have the perfect opportunity to come back and get a result or a team going do I really want to go in for these 50-50s because obviously I've got this huge game I get to go to Brisbane I get to have this trip it's an opportunity to go into the round of 16 Um, but it was interesting to see that Coburn's tactic at the start of both halves was to really press was to be really aggressive to be real front foot to go as as high and quick as possible and it managed to get two goals from it as well well and then I don't think they've won the cup since the merger and the name change have they? So 27 years, I think. 97 years, yeah. And they were spear with Dalmatnak um, back, back when that was the case. So absolutely massive for a club that hasn't, 
has had a lot of great players and a lot of good performances and, and it's been in and around. It's been in the league pretty much that whole time for a club that hasn't gotten to experience uh, all those highs. It's fantastic for their supporters to, to finally get the joy of bringing home silverware, even in in a league season where, although they've had some very impressive performances against the top teams, as Sean is uh, very keen to point out whenever he talks about Coburn, um, they haven't had that much joy in the league. So very exciting for them a, a, as a supporter base. And I think we are gradually starting to see the best version of Coburn as well because let's not forget, they were riddled big time at the start of the season. They had a lot of injuries, likes of Breck and Bake who were, were out. He made his comeback, um, or he's made his comeback in recent weeks. Um, obviously, those guys like Harry O'Brien that we've mentioned before who were still sort of working their way into the season, they obviously had a very heavily impacted COVID yeah, start a lot of to the COVID season as well. In the first few rounds. So now that they're starting to get some momentum and some of these young guys are starting to thrive, um, I thought... Um, Andrade Basto as well on the left-hand side. He's been excellent in the two cup games in particular that I've called as well. Just offers them that width he put in the cross, obviously, that led to O'Brien's goal. So you've got that nice balance as well. Um, he and, and actually, he and Daniel Santich in those wing-back positions have played a really pivotal role in these two semifinals because they've played a three at the back and they've matched up in the semifinals against Sorrento's front two of Jackson and Marilander and again with... Uh, Andres Rivera and Jelenovic. So that's a formula that's really worked for them in these big games. And you've, you've seen that it's it's resulted in, a, in, a, in the reward of winning the cup. All right, let's paint the scene. It's the it's injury time, right? And Coburn on the attack. Ball gets played through. Gets to the keeper. Keeper lunges, catches the ball first, sorry. Lunges, takes a dive, hits the ground, puts his hand up. Referee points to the spot and over. You're the referee in extraordinary from our angle, we've, got, we've obviously got the camera angle that you see yep. from the camera. So we couldn't quite see exactly what had happened. Um, we ended up having conversations about what had happened later in terms of talking to the players, the referees, to players from both teams. But what did you make of it? What I will say in regards to the referee, Josh Manella, to make a decision at 2 all, 91 plus, 92 plus minutes gone, to make a correct decision, at that time, just and I don't know if I can say this, just shows how big pair he really has. Because there'd be a lot of referees that won't want to make that decision, especially at two all. They'll wait for the keeper to get the ball, kick it out, and call full time. We're going extra time and leave it at that. For him to do that, it was a correct decision. Um, he he has, as you said, you, you you described it exactly how it was. He basically grabbed the ball, dived. As he's dived, he has, I will say, diverted towards the attacker and what they would call a scorpion kick type with his foot's come out, taken out the player, and, and rightly so, has been sent off as well for violent conduct as well because um, for me, yeah, hats off to Josh Manella because to make that decision, and, and I know I'm going to lose a lot of friends for saying this comment because there will be a lot of Armadale supporters that will think I'm wrong, and, and that's fine, no problem, but looking at it, for me personally, as someone that's played in, in cup finals and played at that level, to have a teammate that would allegedly and we'll use that because it may, we may not know, do that, it, it just it just blows your mind because you work so hard. Not Don't worry about the 90 minutes you've just played, but all the games to get through because Armadale probably had the toughest run that I believe they beat Perth and Floriot, two of the top two sides, to get to a cup final and then realistically now, you know, worked hard for that 20, 30-minute period where they're 2-0 down to get to 2 all. They, were, the, they had they the run of Bayswater as well. And Bayswater, yeah, you're right, and Bayswater. They had the they had the run of the game in that last 20, 30 minutes of the game. And if they had gone in at two all extra time, 
I, my heart would say, yeah, they, they were going to win that game. But to Josh, well done. It, it's a tough thing to do. It's such a tough Mate, thing we, to do. We, 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 we were talking about it during the call that at 2 0, the game's not over. If you score the next goal, if you're, if you're Armadale, you score the next goal, it becomes squeaky bum time. Coburn had made all the defensive substitutions. Yep. They'd gone to a 5 4 1. So it just basically said, look, what we have, we hold. And then as soon as they score that second one, all the momentum is going their way. They've got attacking options that they can make. So it, 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 it feels like a rush of blood to the head. And I'll, and I'll say this, I've spoken to several Armadale players. I've spoken to several coaching staff members as well. I asked one of them, was it a penalty? And the biggest winger and moaner on that team looked me in the face and said, that was the clearest of all three penalties. That was given on the day. And I'm glad you've spoken to them. I, I couldn't get a word in when some of the coaching staff were talking to me because they weren't happy. Um, and, and I get it. I understand and, and totally get what they're saying with the frustration. But you take a breath, go to sleep, wake well, try to get some sleep, wake up the next day and look back at it. And you, you, you come to realise what's just happened. And, and again, you, you feel bad, not just for Armadale, but also the keeper for what's happened in usury. And you also feel bad for the coach as well, because it's such a difficult thing to take in now, because usury is basically, you know, the fouls happened, they've scored the penalty, and, and away the, the game's finished. And, and for me, my, my heart goes out to him because he's worked, you know, he too has worked He's hard a human together. being yeah, as absolutely. well. Absolutely, yeah. he's human. Every, we're all human. And, and again, what's happened during the game and after the game as well, the referees are human being, as are all the players. They're, they're both on the same, everyone is on the same level when you're on that park. And no one deserves to be said, it's your fault, it's your fault, you've done this, you've done that. No one does. They've, they all work hard. And, and I tell you what, the referees have to work hard to get in that position too because you need to be right at the top of the panel to be able to given, be given that game. I think, I think it's a lesson for players as well, though, watching something like that and going, you know what, referees are going to make correct decisions, they're going to make incorrect decisions, they're going to make bold decisions if they have to. Um, and you have to avoid putting yourself in a position where that might happen. Now, not to lay any blame on Usury. No, but you're, but you're right. You, you go watch that video. Sorry to interrupt you, but you go watch that video. And as Usury is coming off the field, John O'Reilly is looking at him, remonstrating and says, you've got the ball in your hands. What are you doing? And so it, it isn't even a case of like putting the, the referee in that position. It's a case of just doing the right thing because there was absolutely no need. You've, you, again, you've got the ball. You can counterattack. You can go and score here. And, and look, and there's so many players who do things that we look at them and we call it stuff like gamesmanship, right? And that's when a keeper is, there would be keepers who, uh, and not saying this is usually, but there would be keepers who get the ball and they'll turn their shoulder and they might give a little shove to a, a striker who they think is going to come in and, and, and rush them. Or you get strikers who'll put one on the goalkeeper when they come through. Or, you know, it'll happen in the middle of the pitch. There'll be players who'll step on players' toes when they think the referee isn't watching. And some people valorise gamesmanship and they say, you know, oh, look at how smart these people are people, you know, you get guys like Diego Costa and he gets, um, I don't know, he gets that Arsenal player sent off in that game. And Mate, like, I could actually understand it if they were, if Armada were one nil, were one nil up and Usury was trying to do something like that where he's trying to calm the referee, you can almost understand that. But in a situation where it's a 2-2 draw, you've got all the momentum, you've got everything going on. It's just it's just a brain fart moment from it, unfortunately. And again, like you're saying, we need to be careful and be kind because he's a human being. A hundred percent. And like, oh, I didn't want to use brain fart, but it's probably pretty spot on people react differently to to a blood rush and things like that people react differently when they know there's not much left not much time left on so he's he's dived he's, he's done what he's done and and i think yes i i understand the cup's gone 
we need to also move on and not dwell on what he's done to because like you said he's a human being he doesn't there needs to be no pressure put on anyone after what's happened what's happened has happened and he's a human and and we go on that's it it could be why have we gone two nil down no one's talking about why have they gone two nil down why have you made that tackle for the penalty you know why did charlie kenner not start the game yeah correct all these sort of things that 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 happened we just need to go john o'reilly's a great coach and and i'll get on well with john o'reilly and and they're two great coaches and they do things for the reason. And like we said, you know, why didn't he come on earlier? Well, there's obviously a reason for that too. So we need to basically say, yeah, it is what it is. Um, but I think the decision was a correct one. And, and I'm, I'm happy to put my hand up and say to Josh, well done, which I did on a number of occasions, along with the rest of the teams. All to, it, I tell you what, it was probably one of the best grand finals I've seen in a while. It you, really is. You mentioned uh, someone with huge um, ovaries, shall we say. <laughs> How about Daniel Robertson? Last minute of the game, penalty kick to win the cup final. It's what dreams are made of. Do you put you do you put your hand up and uh, and, and grab the ball in that situation, or are you handing it off to to another teammate, boys? I, I don't. I don't think I would be the one taking the penalty, not knowing my um my sort of fifty fifty record in the past. I think it almost favoured him that the first penalty of the game he took was so early on because a little bit of time had passed, and obviously it was a pressure moment. But if you're taking a penalty in the fourth minute and then taking another penalty in the 24th minute, I think psychologically there's something a little bit different to taking one in the fourth and then the 94th because a little bit of time has passed. Now, obviously he's put it in the exact same corner and he's put it in there in a pretty similar fashion. So oh, he's all the, all the credit and all yeah. the power to him. He spoke, about that after, he spoke about that after the game as well, didn't he? He was just thinking same corner, same corner, hit the corner, hit it well. Um, and, and you get the rewards if you hit it well. Nova, you're taking that ball off Stan Lazaridis, aren't you? No, because I'll be told to get stuffed. <laughs> okay, you're a left back. Where are you going? No, nah, nah, in terms of, I'll tell you what, and you, everyone looks at it. I think the question would be at 2 all, I miss, we got extra time, or 2 1 down, I score, we got extra time, or I miss and we lose. So you think Angel's penalty was a bit more. more Absolutely, pressure? 100%. I think this, for me, Angel to go 2 all is a, is a tough pen as well. Now, the other thing you got to look at that Robinson thing, the referee made him move the ball after he had set it up, get ready to take it. Manella's gone over and says, can you fix that ball? That's the that's when you get squeaky. You go, oh, okay, hang on a minute. I've got to go reset. For him to reset, that's a tough one because he's ready to go. How naughty is Angel's penalty, though? Did you it's, see it? it's naughty. It's cheeky. Yeah, I mean, so... but that's him. He, he, I'll tell you what, there's, there's two players that were on that park. There's O'Brien and there's Angel. They're like a red wine. They just get better with age. They absolutely get, um, they get so much better. And I don't mind a drop of red. Let me tell you what, I'd be bottling those two. And, and watch out for Angel Jr. because he can play. Speaking of reds and being bottled and aging and also machines, I don't know which segue to use here, but uh, Darren Nook was scored again. Wow. Incredible. Did you see the, have you seen the goal? Uh, I have seen the goal. I love I love his absolute desire because he plays the ball through uh, for um, Choctaw uh, for Samuel Riak. So he pl- he plays he plays Riak through. So he plays he plays the ball through for Riak, and Riak's one on one. And honestly, Nickel runs like twenty minutes. He just he just makes an absolute belt for it because he knows he's got to oh, tap so it. It's longer than twenty minutes. He's run from his own half. He's so run for, he, yeah. He runs he runs and he absolutely uh, festers. He runs on past him. a defender. Yeah, that's yeah, what I mean. Fester is absolutely left for dead. So a lot of people say this about um, Daryl Nickel. Uh, you talk to players. Uh, who played the game and you talk to people who watch the game and they often say about Darren Nickel, they're like, oh, I just don't think he does that much, but then he goes in the box and he, he scores lots He's of goals. He's always in the right spot. The, the, but, 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 but you so look did at Gary Lineker. 
That's true. Well, Gary Lineker, always, in fact, Gary Lineker used to speak about... He also just, shat himself. Thanks, Kalichi. Uh So... <laughs> So, so people used to talk about, um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> just, just, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'll, I'll edit it. I'm, back, I'm back. No, no, no. It's all good. Keep it in. I'm back. We're not keeping so, it in. Tommy's so, upset. So Daryl, people talk about Daryl. Oh, he only does in the box. But what you see there is just how absolutely ferociously quick he is. How hard is a player to play against when they have that sort of pace, that sort of fitness, that's late in the game, it's the second half, wet game, and he has just absolutely left that defender for dead. So it's the di- desire to get in the box as well. But for a his, tap and he, yeah, he for, goes for a tap 60 metres. But his, his physical attributes and his athletic ability as a player is one of the things that sets him apart. And that's one of the reasons why he's scoring so many goals. I mean, y- you can't catch him if you're a defender. It was a massive win for them as well because it puts them right back into the title picture. They had to win that game because... With the games starting to run out, you've got to capitalise on those games in hand to try and pull it back and try and put a bit of pressure on Floriot. Uh, they did manage to do that while probably extinguishing any hopes that Perth would have had of any outside sort of push for the top four. So, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting now. We've definitely got a four-team title race on our hand. I think we already knew that. Um, but it's only going to ratchet up as the season goes on. We've got a couple of big games coming up as well. Floriot Bayswater is the one to keep an eye on this weekend anyway. That's um, that's yeah, definitely the match of the round. Um, I think Inglewood have those two games against Sorrento as well, and if they do win the uh, if they do win the game against Sorrento with other teams maybe dropping points here and there, they have a very slim outside chance of getting up there as well. Jeez, if they win their game in hand, they're what? Two games off. Uh, who's that? Inglewood, Inglewood. Inglewood. They're, they're, they're right they're in it and, and they'll pinch points they will pinch points off off. The, I, I, I look at the Inglewood have got Sorrento twice or they've got one more time they've got to catch twice, up twice yes they've got to catch so up I think they've played them twice in a row they're, they're two massive games they are two massive games they've got to play and they've also got to play Floriot in a fortnight as well yeah so there's another game which you just you, yeah it's exciting times it's exciting times in the NPL men's I also wanted to just touch on the Result at the bottom of the league as well. Balcata nil, Guell up nil. That's a result that doesn't really help either team, but you'd probably have to say that Guell up would be the happier of the two teams given at this stage of the season you'd rather have the points on the board. But I understand that you saw the end of that game, Josh, and that Balcata were pretty close to potentially getting a late winner. Yeah, they had they had it in the net, but they had it scrubbed out. It was, re- it was a really weird sequence of play because um, Adam Tong's gone forward to take a long throw. He's tried to get one of the spectators to open up the fence for him so that he can get a longer run-up, like go full Rory Delap with it. Um, and the referee sort of walked over. And I think it's like a kid on the fence, it looks like. And the referee sort of walked over and so said, you can't do that. And then he's they've closed the fence. He's gone. He's taken a long throw. He's got it in the mixer. Um, it ricochets off Daniel Walsh. Uh, referee clearly didn't think he handballed it, but the Balcada players were all up for it. Goes in off a Balcada player. They smashed it in the back of the net, but then he's called a handball in the lead up to the goal from the, the Balcada striker. So Balcada desperately close to getting one in. Uh, well, they got one in the back of the net, but desperately close to getting a late winner in that game. As he said, um, maybe it helps well up more than Balcata because at the moment you look at those teams and their results and they just haven't looked like getting a win against um, any any of the other teams higher up the ladder. So that next game between the two teams is going to be uh, an absolutely massive one in terms of the relegation race. Big call on the handball. Big call, you reckon? Yeah, because it looked like to me 
it was a penalty prior to it being a handball to the attacker. So yeah. a penalty before the, th- the throw. It looked like I think it was Walsh. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it hits Walsh. Um, clearly, the referees said it's again big call. Said right it's on the, the game, game massive on the game. shoulder, rather shoulder or chest. Yeah. Does uh, Does Manella have the the ovaries to give that one? Oh, 100 percent. He's got massive ones. Don't you worry about that. One of the greats is. But um, yeah, again, tough game. I mean, it's any game is a big game, and that's a, that's a relegation battle, and that's almost as big as top of the table clash as well. But um, yeah, big game. Um, I think in that match, for a nil or draw, there was ten yellow cards. So it, it you know it, it was it was tough and everyone was fighting and uh, yeah the fence was interesting um, but he was right. We're going to have to circle back at, at some point to the uh, to the naughtiest team, won't we? Because I feel like Weller have picked up an absolute ton of yellow cards. We'll have to do that when Sean is back. Speaking of Sean, we're going to have to keep moving on because uh, we do have an interview with Sam Cook and uh, after that we'll uh, have a conversation about whether Sean has to eat a hat or not. Well, uh, we'll be back with part three. And we're back with part three of the Perth Football Podcast. We've got a special guest on the line. We'll introduce him in a second. But, Tommy, there was other games that happened on Sunday. Can you tell us about the uh, the first match of the day? Uh, so it was the 18s first up. Bayswater played Perth Glory. Perth Glory, uh, 15, 17 games this season, 15 wins, two draws. Both of those draws against Bayswater. They also played Bayswater in the cup final, and Bayswater got them by two goals to one. Um they came from behind to do it as well. Adesina with a goal at the start of the game. They played really well to begin with, and then Bayswater just worked their way back into the game and, and really settled into it. And I think they just grew with a lot of confidence. I thought Corey McNellis, as he did in last year's final, um, which they won as well, had another really good game leading by example in the midfield. Um, he got the assist for Lachlan Fuller's equaliser, and then Orhan Barrich, their uh, top scorer, scored in every round of the cup, top scorer in the league as well. Um, for Bayswater, he got the winner. And Bayswater lift the cup for a fourth straight season at under-18 level. Unbelievable. But in the 20s, mate, there was a bit of a story there with uh, someone cooking up a storm. There was. We had a hat-trick hero. Um, Perth Soccer Club won by four goals to one. And I believe we've got the score of that hat-trick on the line now, don't we, Kalichi? We do, mate. Sam, how are you? You well? I'm great, thanks, guys. How are you? Uh, Mate, we're, we're superb. So... A hat-trick in a cup final, tell us, what's that like? Oh, it, it's amazing, obviously, as, you, as you'd expect. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's what you, you go to bed um, dreaming of, to be honest. Um, you, you probably don't think it's, it's going to happen. Uh, obviously, being, being an attacking player, you hope you might get one or two, but uh, three's just icing on the cake. And then um, with the assist as well for Phoenix Lee, it was, it was brilliant. Topped it off. Oh, Phoenix Lee's actually had a couple um, appearances for the first team as well, mate. So, yeah, that's got to be a, a great strike partnership that you guys have up there. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, we work really well together. Um, obviously, um, he's, he's scoring heaps of goals as well. Um, he got one on the uh, on the weekend as well, which was brilliant. Um, but, yeah, just, just love playing up front with him. Um, it's a really good partnership. It, it was a 4-1 win over Sorrento in the game, Sam. Uh, you obviously opened the scoring, got the first from Will Gordon's cutback, and then Sorrento equalised really quickly after that. So what was the key to getting that response really quickly? And was it just a matter of sort of that communication on the field and the boys sort of keeping their heads? Yeah, we just knew that we had to um, remain calm and um, kind of uh, get control of the game again because um, obviously going ahead is, is brilliant and... Um, conceding as, as quickly as we did, it obviously wasn't ideal, but um, 
we have a great bunch of lads and and there wasn't any point in my mind um when we thought oh this this might be a little bit sour we we knew what we had to do and and i thought that we controlled it um pretty well after that and then going into half time at 2-1 um thought we took even more control um and all the boys did brilliantly uh, Cookie, it's Alex here, mate. Just just one thing. I mean, obviously, after the game, it's exciting. Uh, you know, you celebrate. I, I just want to know, I mean, there's no secret. Your dad is Jonathan Cook, who played 653 games for Gosnell City back in 1952. <laughs> yeah, what, what that, did he? <laughs> what did he have to say to you after the game, mate? Did he keep you level-headed as he, as he always does? Or was he a little bit excited for once and smile? <laughs> no, he, he had plenty of smiles. Um, he, he was really proud, um, obviously, having... Having him as a as a role model, having played as six hundred fifty-three games in nineteen fifty-three was um was brilliant. But um, nah, um, he he's he's one of my biggest fans, and so is my mum and my brother. But he he always makes sure that I'm I'm level-headed, um, trust in the process. Um, and yeah, he was he was over the moon for me. I will say you've got another fan in here, which is myself, because I've watched all of your games uh, to date. Um, I will say your brother's not really a fan because a lot of the time he doesn't watch when I've been there. But um, <laughs> mate, it's it's almost time I think, and and I will put it out there. It's almost time you need to start with Perth in their first team. It's it's almost time to start pushing the pun pushing the buttons. I mean, you've scored. You don't have to answer that one. No, you don't have to answer. But <laughs> you've scored sixty four times this year, I believe. <laughs> For Perth Soccer Club, there's not there's not a game where you know we'd say oh Cookie scored again, but um you know is that something in the back of your mind now to get a few more games under your belt or starting I should say. Uh, at, at the moment, I'm just I'm I'm loving I'm loving playing football to be honest. Um, I'm training with the first team um, every week. Uh, we've got a great bunch of lads, great coach, um, great assistant as well, a great bunch of lads around. I just know that I've just got to. Keep going, um, keep pushing, keep scoring goals, and um, I'm sure I'm sure my time will come. Well, if, uh, if Alex's word is true, a change is going to come for you. But uh, so, something I'd really like to ask, uh, Sam, you know, you've come up through you know juniors here in in WA. I'm keen to know what the uh, sort of the biggest thing that you've learned and what the biggest focus for you is technically. You know, what what do you think it is that helps a player? like you stand out at your level? What are the big things that you really want to be known for in your game? Um, I'd, I'd probably say just the consistency of the effort that you put in. Um, without the effort, obviously, there's there's nothing there. You can be you can be as technical as Lionel Messi, but if you don't if you don't put your all in, then what's the point, to be honest? So um, I've always just gone into every game with the same with the same attitude. I'm going to go out there and... Sam, I know your dad is listening, mate, but you don't have to give us these media training. How good is his media training? You can, like... <laughs> you, you, nah, you can be, like, my style is impetuous. Like, you don't have to... <laughs> Tell your dad to get out of the room, mate. You want to talk on your own. No, I am. I am. I am. But, um, yeah, um, honestly, it, it is just hard work. Um, uh, I was I was never gifted with the... The, the touch of, of Messi or, or those types of players. Um, so it, it's really just hard work and dedication um, to to the craft. So, yeah. And you have played some first team minutes, as, as the boys have mentioned a, a little bit earlier on this season. You have you did get your first senior goal against Balcata. Now, I do have a little bit of a bone to pick with you, Sam, because you've done the knee slide twice now. You did it against Balcata, and you did it in the under-20s game at the weekend as well, and you didn't quite pull it off. So whilst you're working a lot on your uh, on your finishing abilities, is there a little bit of work that's going to go into those celebrations as well, potentially? 
Oh, 100%. Everywhere I go, um, people keep telling me that my celebrations are rubbish. So just stop. I might have to go back to the uh, to the Alan Shearer, just one hand in the air. Has anyone had a word to you about your barnet as well, mate? They, they haven't. Um, well, actually, that, that's a lie. That's a lie. <laughs> I'm glad. I, I sound like such mom, an old man. I'm, I'm sorry. But yeah, I was like, no. as that boy needs a haircut. Yeah, no, I, I've honestly been thinking about it. And a, a few of my mates have been thinking like it's time it's time and even i've been thinking it but when things are going right um uh, i'm not really too keen to to change it until something goes wrong so we'll see we'll see well look sam really appreciate your time mate thank you so much we're going to be having a having a party for you in terms of the work that you've been doing and and i'm sure that the entire um perth ac and your family and even the folks back home are really proud mate so do you have anything uh, to, to say to anybody else before we, we let you go uh, no, just thanks for thanks for having me on. Um, I'm I'm loving my time at Perth. Um, just a big shout out to all the all the lads there and all the coaches. And yeah, hopefully we'll push on for the rest of the season. Absolute gentlemen, Sam. Thank you so much. No worries. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, mate. Well done. Thank you. All right. Big thanks to Cookie for that one, guys. Before we go, we had a moment that happened last week, and I just want to play it back to you to make sure that I'm not going crazy here. So here's what happened. I will literally eat a hat. I will literally eat my hat if uh, Perth Red Star do not win the league. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say if they if they lose the curtain because that could happen. No, if they don't win the league, if they haven't already won the league on Wednesday, by the time you listen to this, I will eat a hat. Guys, does Sean Fry have to eat a hat? Pretty conclusive. <laughs> <laughs> listen, if we're going to D&G Tribunal and they hear that, Sean... Mate, get that bar- barbecue cooking, mate, because that hat's got to be well done, and you're gonna have to chew it. I just—that's like—that's like the—that's like, like the evidence they have at the ICAC hearings over east. Like, you—you're already—you're already stung before you go in. <laughs> Sean has Sean has, Sean has no hope. It's guilty before proven innocent. If, if that is not a smoking gun, I don't know what is. And again, he's going to appeal and say, "Look, it's a technicality." But we asked him what the stipulations are. And he legitimately said, if they haven't won the league by Wednesday, I will literally eat a hat. We yeah, we even we even try I even tried to make it easier for him. I was like, you know, you might want to dial it down. Like maybe maybe if it's something really unrealistic, like they don't win the league at all. Like maybe just maybe just chill, because eating a hat's like it's not a fun thing to do, right? Like how do you even do that? How do you digest a hat? Do you boil it? Do you fry it? Do you bake it? Do you grill it? It's not a matter of if, it's it's what. What is the hat? Is it a beret? Is it a straw hat? Is it a just a cap? Is it a bucket hat? It's gotta be it's gotta be one of his farm hats. Has to be. Cowboy hat. Get that on. He's in Did ca- you- he's in Canada right now, so like what they they wear like gallon hats in Canada, don't they? Like the Mountie hats. Yeah, what are them ones? They well they're French berets, there's French French make, Canada. Make him eat his bow tie. All right, before we before we go, as you can see, Sean has to eat a hat. Yeah, it's um, it's a when it's a when not if thing. Any any other business? Uh Euro 2020, anyone see some of the games? Euro 2022, sorry. Euro 2022, anyone see any of the games? I didn't see anything on the weekend, but I did watch a bit of the England-Spain game from last week. That was a really high-quality game of football. Um, Spain looked as though they weren't going to lose it, really. They were in such control of the game. They they got the opening goal, and then England just, just sort of found a way as the game wore on. But obviously, we've got a couple of pretty good semi-finals as well. The England-Sweden game should be really good because Sweden have, have been known to compete really well in these tournaments over the years. France is still in there, unfortunately. Uh, Joe's party with the uh, the Netherlands yeah. team, it looks like it's a bit up in the air now. Um, I think uh, 
maybe a step too far with uh, Miedemar having battled COVID. Uh, Lika Martins is out for the tournament. New coach well, as well. They're all out, season, yeah. all out for the tournament now, but Lika Martins was out for the tournament before that game. So I think it was just a little bit too far for the Netherlands there. But um, I think France, Germany, Spain, uh, France, Germany, England and Sweden are probably close to the four teams you would have expected going into the tournament. Love to see the English take on the Germans in the final just, just for one last time. But look, that is all the time we have for today. Uh, Sean will be back in a couple of weeks. So you're still stuck with myself. But anybody, any last thing, any more for any more? Just quickly, uh, big congratulations to Perth Glory and the appointment of Anthony Radich as CEO. Um, massive, massive, uh, I think... Uh, intake of staff uh, with Anthony. He's going to make a massive difference for the club and he's got Perth Glory in heart. So well done to them and well done to Toretto. With no Sean Fry in town, you'll be hearing a lot more of me in the uh, the coming weeks, women's and men's this weekend, but also amateur round. We did the amateur games last year. I'll be making the trip down to Wembley. And Wembley versus East Perth. So It could be a great referee on that one too. And it's oh, not me. Go. Oh, okay. I was hoping Bruce to see you again this year. I'll be there in in, 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 uh, in my uniform, but it won't be in the middle. Is, is it, it will be another one that I'm not a fan of. Is, is it the sort of referee that would never give Kalichi a red card for a nope. heinous tackle it's, on Friday's eco? It's not. It's a, it's an absolute garbage referee, and his name's potentially Dave Averson. So we're going to go with that one. He is the greatest. <laughs> Allegedly, Dave Everson. Any more for any more, Josh? Well, you did say, you did mention the amateur round. So uh, the quarterfinals, well, they're not set, but the quarterfinalists of the amateur cup are set the big uh, big big surprise there was Div Four Jundana getting over Div One leaders North Beach two Critters who scored like six hundred goals in that league, which is ridiculous. But anyway, uh, if any of you didn't understand the references that we were making earlier, it was uh, Sam Cook songs. So you take care, and we'll see you soon. Bye bye. See ya. See ya. look alike. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's happy reaction. <laughs> but don't worry about it. I'm going to edit this out.